know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Season Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, podcast land? This is just Jam and Joe of the Fan Brawl Seasons Podcast. And on tonight's episode, we're going to talk some Kobe Bryant. We're going to talk some Super Bowl, some SEC basketball, and we're going to round it out with some golf. Uh, RG3, going to introduce you real quick. How's it going, man? Good, good. Uh, glad to celebrate two years of Fan Brawl Seasons. Yes, season. that's right. To the day. This podcast was born two years ago. Do you remember that? Man, that was crazy. Time is flying, flowing by. I know. And look at this now. Like we're on, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on all these podcast platforms. So remember, guys, like and subscribe if you like what you're hearing. And RG3, we've got a guest with us tonight, a guy who's been on this show before, um, former uh, college golfer at the University of Alabama, and a very good friend of mine, uh, my man Bill Van Orman. Bill, how's it going? Good, good to be with you guys. I feel uh, I feel even more special now that I'm here on your birthday, you know, two year <laughs> two year anniversary. So, uh, congrats to you guys. I hope I can I hope I can pull my weight here. Um, I have no doubt, man. I have no doubt. And uh, this is also our 75th episode. So mm-hmm. It's pretty cool too. Another milestone. So, so tonight's just all about milestones, Bill. Sounds good. That's awesome. Sounds good. All right, so we're going to, or actually, so RG3 is going to get into our first topic of tonight, and that is Kobe Bryant. Yeah, so, um, you know, we had the uh, the incredibly sad news of Kobe Bryant passing away uh, Sunday night, or Sunday evening, uh, when the helicopter crash. Um, when you think of Kobe as a basketball player, what are some of your favorite moments? Well, he just, I kind of, I grew up, I was in high school with the whole Magic Johnson, Larry Bird thing. So I kind of became a Laker fan, you know, in the 80s when the, you know, the great series with the Celtics, which is probably before you guys were even born. But so I kind of kept up, you know, and became, you know, kept being a Laker fan. And then when sort of when Shaq and Kobe got together and they won those, I think they won three in a row, right? Or I know they won three championships together, but which I guess they didn't always get along that well. But the thing you always read about Kobe is, is that, you know, he wasn't a, he was just, he just outworked everybody. I was reading an article today by Allen Iverson, who was drafted in that same class as uh, Kobe. In the first game that he played in LA, uh, Iverson played in LA. They went out to dinner the night before the game. And Kobe said to Iverson, you know, what are you going to do? And Iverson said, I'm going to go check out some of the clubs. And Iverson said to Kobe, what are you going to do? He says, well, I'm going to go to the gym. And I think that right there sort of, you know, summarizes everything you you, you always read about Kobe is that he was just a tire, relentless in the pursuit of, of excellence. And, and he just, he was an assassin. I don't think he was, as a player, I don't think he was that well liked, like Magic and Bird and... Because I think he, you know, he just was, he was a nasty, you know, a nasty competitor. Um, having said that, I think, you know, he's a great guy. And you read about some of the things that he's done with charity and everything. But but as a basketball player, that would be the way I would describe him. And sort of liken him to the way Tiger Woods is perceived in golf. I mean, that very same attitude. Just a, 
uh, a killer. No question about it. I think I think those are all great uh, great adjectives to describe Kobe. Um, as far as moments for me, I remember that 81 point game he had against Toronto in 2006. Uh, I remember watching the highlights on SportsCenter uh, with Stuart Scott was doing that episode, and some of his and, and some of his uh, his phrases that broke down the highlight were just great. Like like Kobe would hit a shot, and Stuart Scott would be like, "Kobe Bryant is straight pulling at recess." <laughs> like he would say just like you know crazy like kind of, kind of fun things. And that that's the thing about Kobe Bryant is Kobe Bryant is the closest thing that I've seen. To Michael Jordan, I I was at the I was coming up like at the very end of Michael, so I was like maybe four and five, and I can remember uh, those summer nights sitting sitting as a little kid and watching uh, Michael do what he did against the Jazz. And uh, to to me, Kobe Bryant is like RG three and I's generation of like Michael Jordan. I mean, he like like you said, he's a cold blooded like assassin on the basketball court. But off the court, and what we were witnessing was a guy who had like a lot of ideas, and a guy who was starting to become a family man. I mean, he won an Academy Award. I was going to say he won an Oscar, yeah, right? For his that was something else. And so, so those are just some of the memories uh, that I think of Kobe. Another great memory I have is you were talking about those early two thousands Lakers teams. Well, when I would go to Georgia basketball camp as a kid. Uh, I went to a father-son camp, and my dad and I, um, and all the other dads and sons, would be sitting there watching those NBA Finals games, and the Georgia basketball coaches would be making us uh, like root beer floats and uh, <laughs> banana splits and stuff like that, and it, it was just really fun to get to sit down and watch basketball at its best with, you know, the, those great Sixer teams with Iverson and Aaron McKee and the Kimmy and guys like that, and then you had Kobe and Shaq and. Rick Fox, and, you know, those are some really good Laker teams. So so those are just some of the memories I have of Kobe. Yeah, one of the things I read, one of his biggest disappointments, to your point, Joe, is that the one thing that really, really was in his craw is he was, you know, he was one championship short of Jordan. He wanted six, you know, like Michael to, to, you know, and he only got five, I guess. So uh, I read that's one thing that drove him nuts is, you know, he wanted to... He wanted to have as many uh, as many rings as Michael did. He didn't quite make it, but it's something else. And it, and I, I heard an interview with him on Jimmy Kimmel, uh, pretty recent, where he was talking about his daughter, and he and he was and Jimmy Kimmel asked him about, does he think his daughter can make an impact in the WNBA? And Kobe said, "There's no doubt that Gianna Bryant would have been like a a great WNBA player. I think." She was pretty close with the people over at UConn. Uh, yeah, I guess that's where team. she wanted to go since she, she was ten years old, right? Yeah. When you when you talk about uh, colleges, like I, and another thing about Kobe that I just find fascinating is Kobe Bryant was fluent in three languages: Italian, Spanish, and English. Yeah, and that's pretty amazing. I think if he had gone to college, I think he said he would have gone to Duke. So I mean. Probably would have probably would have done all right, huh? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. And I mean, to have his competitive fire and impeccable attention to detail. Um, I mean, what other athletes um, can you think of in sports that you've noticed with these traits? Um, in terms of me, I, I would probably say 
Derek Jeter is a good example. Yeah, of, great example uh, of a guy with just impeccable detail. You know, you know, I know Derek Jeter had the infamous like little black book that most single guys would dream of, um, just based off the various <laughs> uh, uh, encounters we heard about um, through the tabloids and stuff. But Derek Jeter was a very like like by the book guy in terms of being on the field. And, you know, would get his work in and just had such a great, like, impeccableness for detail and clutchness, just like Kobe. Michael Jordan is a great example. Um, it's a name. Uh, Tiger Woods, wouldn't you say, Bill? Yeah, I would say so. I think what's rare about him is I think if you go back and other, you know, all sports, typically the guys with the most talent aren't the guys that, are like that, are the most meticulous. Usually the guys that are most talented can kind of wing it, and and it's generally the guys maybe that had to work a little harder to get there that are more, you know, it's, so I think it's rare that you get a guy that has a, you know, has a worldly, un, unworldly talent that also, you know, is, is you know, for the other things, the preparation, uh, you know, not out at night. And so I think that's what makes him rare. And like you said, I think Tiger's a, you know, Tiger was the same way, you know, maybe a little less now when he's older, but, you know, he wouldn't talk to anybody. He was just, I mean, it was, he was in a, you know, he was in a zone and he didn't care whether you liked him, hated him or whatever. He was just out there to, to take care of business. And, and certainly I think that's a great comparison. I think Jordan, I think Jeter, and I think Tiger are great. And I don't think there are that many, you know, that you, that, that you compare the, the amount of talent with the, you know, with the work ethic and everything that, that those guys had, so I think they're pretty rare. I'm I'm trying to think football really quick. Like, who do you think? Yeah, maybe Brady. Yeah, maybe Brady. Because Brady isn't the most athletic guy in the world, right? No. Or even Peyton Manning. You know, he yeah. was very cerebral, cerebral. and and uh, but probably you know tremendous quarterback, but probably not the best athlete you right. know, or ever was or, you know on the field. But uh, and got the most out of his talent yeah. that he could. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, so to end the Kobe Bryant talk here, um, Kobe will definitely be missed. He he's arguably one of the greatest basketball players to ever live, in my opinion. And he's just gone way too soon. He's forty-one years old. I mean, he had so much life and so much to give. Not just not just uh, not just basketball, but just in life. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show how precious life is. And, you know, every, every day is a moment. Yeah, and, and sure you need to see it happen that way. But. Yeah. And I also feel for his uh, for his wife and the three daughters. Yeah, those other mm-hmm. kids, you know, that's just got to be. And and, lo- and losing your daughter at 13. Yeah. And the other people that were on the helicopter, too. I think one of the guys was a really, like, well-known college baseball coach. Yeah, he, co- he, he actually was a coach of, of uh, Aaron Judge. Really? He coached Judge like three years ago. He was with one of the minor, I think a minor league team up in the Northeast. And he was Judge. I saw Judge came out and said something. And he was a pretty well-known guy. I mean, I think yeah. he was a pretty pretty well-respected guy. So, yeah, yeah it's a shame. So, we're going to transition from the remembering the legacy of the great Kobe Bryant. We're going to talk some Super Bowl. Gentlemen, it is Super Sunday on Sunday. So... RG3, I know you've got some some topics you want to hit us with, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this year's Super Bowl has a chance to be a pretty good one. Uh, what are some of your favorite past Super Bowls? 
Bill, you want to take this one? Well, I I grew up a Redskin fan, so one of my favorite was Doug Williams when he threw four touchdown passes and and won that one. And I love the uh, I love the I kind of I had a college roommate that was from Chicago and the '85 Bears. You know, I think that that was a great Super Bowl. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the Super Bowls are real clunkers. And then I'd, I'd have to throw the, the Atlanta-New England one in there, kind of on a down note. Oh. Uh, you know, just to see Atlanta on the cusp of finally winning mm-hmm. that Super Bowl and then to have it, you know, mm-hmm. have it end the way it did. But uh, those would probably be my three favorites, you know, that I, I was too young to, you know, I was a six years old when Namath, you know, guaranteed the win. And, yeah. but re, you know, I think that was a pretty, would have been a pretty good one to, yeah. to, uh, to watch. But, uh, I think we're going to get a good game this I, week. I think so too. For, for me, some of my favorite Super Bowls, as you mentioned, the Falcons being so close on the cusp. Uh, I remember 98 a little bit. I remember the dirty bird. I remember Dan Reeves and, uh, Chris Chandler and some of those guys. I I remember that Super Bowl with John Elway. I remember uh, a good Super Bowl that I really enjoyed was seeing Peyton Manning win his one and only Super Bowl and beating the Saints. That was awesome. As a Falcons fan, I hate the Saints with everything (laughs) in my blood, so that was great. Um, You know, another really good Super Bowl that I really enjoyed was that Eagles one, the one where the Eagles beat the Patriots. That's what I was going to say, yeah. With the Philly special, like to come out early you know, you want a trick play like that, you got Nick Foles in the back of the end. Yeah, backup quarterback. Yeah, and... yeah. yeah that was just a great storyline. For not having, like, a real dog in the fight, to, just to purely watch football, I thought that was a great Super Bowl. Yeah. So those are just some of the Super Bowls that I've enjoyed from years past. Mm-hmm. And the so the San Francisco 49ers have arguably the one of the best tight ends in football in George Kittle. How important is it, if you're Kyle Shanahan, to get the ball in his hands early in the game? I, well, for me, I, I would say it's extremely important. I look at him as like the number one focal point of your passing offense. Don't you think, Bill? I think so. I think they're going to have to – they haven't seen an offense like Kansas City this year. So I have a feeling, you know, they they need some ball control. They need to be able to, you know, extend drives. And and uh, so I, I think that's a great point. You know, I think – and. By the way, I think Kansas City, if, if, if you know, they probably have the, if the second best tight. I mean, Kelsey's, I think Kelsey's has the record for tight ends for most thousand yard seasons. I think I saw that on, on, on their last game or something like that, but he's unbelievable too. Yeah. But I think that's big. I think you hit it right on the head. I think that's big for San Francisco because they're going to, they got to keep that Kansas City offense off the field and, you know, be able to, Hit the tight end and and uh, ball run the ball. I mean, at running back, I don't know if is uh, what's his uh, the guy that was with the Falcons that got Tyron hurt. Is Coleman? he going to be back? I th- well, I saw he had a separated shoulder. I I don't I don't know if he's going to play or not because that guy had an unbelievable MOSFET or what's whatever. Yeah, Moster. Moster. You know, two hundred and something yards, and but I think they're going to have to. I think, you know, that's got to be one of their sort of, they've got to keep keep Kansas City off the field for as, as long as they can, I think. Yeah. And just kind of as like, and kind of as like a follow-up question, in terms of quarterbacks, which quarterback are you most anxious to see, Mahomes or Garoppolo? Oh, definitely Mahomes. I <laughs> definitely want to see Mahomes. I think, you know, Garoppolo to me is more of a game manager kind of 
quarterback, you know. I mean, I think he's good. Whereas Mahomes, you know, he can, there is, you're never safe, you know, for, he can make a play from anywhere on that field with either his legs or his arm. I thought that run he had in the AFC oh, championship was tremendous. just unbelievable. Tremendous. It was something tremendous. else. Tremendous. So, you know, I, I think it's a big stage, so it'll be interesting to see. I think Mahomes is, has done more than Garoppolo really hasn't had to do much in their last yeah. three, three or so games. So uh, it'll that'll be interesting. I could I could also make the comparison to this 49er team, very similar to the 2000 Ravens. I mean, I mean, because think about it. Like you had Brian Billick, who was a quote like offensive genius, and they yet they win with a great defense. Yeah. And uh, like Kyle Shanahan is the quote offensive genius, and I mean he's he's kind of got like a game manager quarterback in Garoppolo, kind of like Dilfer. So. Still that, irritates me that he won't admit he should have run the ball in the Falcons. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Oh, that irritates that, me. That drives me nuts. And, like, I heard Shanahan say something like, oh, I've learned from that pass through ball. And I'm like, <laughs> why couldn't you have run the ball three Ugh. times? Matt Bryant kicks a field goal. And me yeah, as a Game Falcon, over. Game yeah. over. Game over. Like, Yeah, that would have put him up 11, right, if yeah, they had kicked that field goal. Yeah, that would have put us up 11. And none of the bad things would have happened. Like, I don't understand why second 11 you want to force – yeah, a thrown ball. I, I can't remember who he was trying to go to. I can't, can't remember if it was Sanu or I can't Julio. remember either. But I can. I remember the situation. It, it just it's like. But anyway, RG three. I could. I could go on and on about <laughs> that all night. Um, <laughs> yeah, let, 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 let's stick with uh, Kansas City. Yeah. Um. So we, they have so many weapons uh, out wide. Who of these wide receivers do you expect to have the biggest impact on Sunday? Well, you got the Georgia boy, right? Exactly. I saw something where Hardman and Tyreek Hill are the only two guys that, you know, where they clock them now and how fast they're running. They've both hit 25 miles an hour on routes, you know, this year. So, you know, and they're kind of different. I mean, Hill's a little guy, and but I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think, and Kelsey catches a lot of balls. So I think, I, you know. And you got but, Sammy Watkins too. Yeah, you forget about him too. Yeah, he yeah. was tremendous. Yeah. So they're boy, they're they're loaded. I mean, they are. And you got a guy like Mahomes that can, you know, stretch plays out, and you know, you can't cover those guys for five seconds. No. You know? And he can extend the play, and chances are, somebody's going to be open with those. I think uh, I think Richard Sherman's going to have his work cut out for him. I think Sunday. so too. <laughs> I know he's been known to chirp a time or two, but I wouldn't be chirping that much with. The weapons Kansas City yeah. has out wide. Is Chris Con- Chris Conley isn't there anymore? He, is he? He is with Jacksonville. Oh, he is because he was with Kansas City. He was. Yeah, yes. I thought so. I he wasn't was. sure whether he was still there or, or not. But yeah, they're they're loaded. Yeah, I speaking of Chris Conley, I saw him uh, against uh, my Falcons at the end of the year, and he caught two touchdowns. Oh, did he? Oh, okay, yeah. good. So that's cool. He had one of my favorite catches when he caught that ball in the SEC championship, which had the clock to run out. Remember that? If he'd hadn't, if he'd have just knocked that to the ground and not caught it, they would have had another play. Yeah. But when he caught that, yeah. that, that's what ended up winning. But I won't talk about that, Joe. <laughs> Thank you, bro. I won't mention that. <laughs> so so far on this podcast, we've talked about two of the more sadder nights of my life. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, what do you? Who do you think will win the Super Bowl on Sunday? I'm going Kansas City. I think it's going to be close, but 
But like I've been telling people all week uh, that I've just been around, I'm, I just think it's going to be in the high 30s, like 34, 31. Don't you think? I agree. I think it's all KC. And I wouldn't be surprised to see it be not even, you know, not real close. I just don't think, you know, San Francisco hasn't seen an offense like that. I mean, Seattle isn't explosive. You know, think of the better teams they played in their in their division or the NFC. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's even close to, you know, has an offense like, like they're going to see on Sunday. So I think it's KC. Yeah. I hope they do. I'd like to see Andy yeah, Reid. I would too. He, he seems think, like a good guy, and and I'd like uh, to see Shanahan lose another yeah, one. Yeah, I would too. His pay his payback. So. I, I would too. So I'm so I'm with uh, I'm with Bill. I think it's going to be KC. I, th- I think it's going to be close, but I think, uh, but I think Kansas City finds a way to get it done. Hmm? What do you think, RG? Do you think it's going to be? What do you think? I, I think it'll be Kansas City. All um, day? Are they are they going to kill him like Bill thinks, or is it going to be close? Um. That's hard. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a murder, but um, mm, Shanahan. Yeah, weighing the variables. <laughs> see? See? You're a Falcon fan, too. You, you know what yeah. I mean. You know what I mean, man. I, I'll give it uh, um, I'll give it 10 points. Okay. Sometimes it just seems like there's destiny, you know? And it just seems like <laughs> right. this is Andy Reid's. Right. Yeah. You know, he's and, been close. You know, last year they were right, right there on the goal line, right, to right. not get to the. And so I just sometimes you just mm-hmm. look at like it may be just his time. Right. I mean, I mean, you could also equate that to like what LSU did. Yeah. Exactly. College football. Exactly. That, yep. that LSU team was crazy. Really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. Really good. So we're gonna transition now from some Super Bowl to we're gonna talk some SEC basketball. A topic I know you're very passionate about. Yes, sir. Uh, as am I. As am RG3. Because we all three went to SEC schools. <laughs> um, so, let's get it going. All right. So, now that we're in the thick of SEC play, what are your thoughts on the conference as a whole? Well, I think uh, I think it's pretty good top to bottom. I heard... One of the talking heads yesterday uh, say that he can see, you know, the, the conference getting seven teams in the tournament, which I think is, uh, it's funny though, you watch the cream rise and they're, you know, Kentucky, Auburn, LSU, you know, I think to me, they're a toss up, you know, who's, and then I think the next, you know, the next level's pretty good. I think, you know, you got Arkansas looks pretty good and Alabama looks like they could, you know, they can win. Uh, maybe the bottom is a little not as good as it is normally, but, uh, yeah. but I think the I think they're you know Tennessee's coming on. They got that big guy that just became eligible. Yeah, uh, in the, our game, right? Yeah, I think yeah. Our game Tennessee, was his first yeah. game, and he looked pretty good the other night. I watched that, the, that, that point guard Tennessee's got yeah, looks pretty good. Yeah, but but I I agree with you. I think the conference as a whole is better. I know the SEC for years had gotten a bad rap of not being like. A good enough like basketball conference. I know it was just Kentucky's world, and everyone else was living with it, living in it. And then you had those Florida years that were good, and like Auburn's starting to come on. Like, I think I'm, I think the conference as a whole is starting to take more of a commitment to basketball, starting to make it like more like more of an importance. Yeah, look at the coaches they're hiring. Exactly, league, exactly. Right? I mean, that tells you everything right there. I mean, exactly. you look at the lineup of coaches in the SEC; it's unrivaled, really. It's 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 I. I mean, you could argue, just based on coaches alone, it's parallel to the ACC. Absolutely. I agree. So. 
And how many years did, you know, we talk about the SEC's down, you get to the Sweet 16 and there's three teams left, or, you know, Four teams. generally more than any other right. Final Eight. Yeah, we had three in the Final Eight, I think, two or three years ago. And right? then South Carolina went to the yeah, Final Four. exactly. Which, for the life of me, I don't want to understand yeah, how they did that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, um, Georgia found the most painful way to lose on Tuesday at Missouri. Uh, can Georgia do anything to save their season? I I think they can, but they're gonna have to get to work fast. Yeah. I, I think you're I think you're gonna have to find a secondary score to go along with Edwards, and and you're gonna need a big man to step up. Um, I. And so, um, you know, we we're talking about coaches earlier. Um, what do you think about Coach Creeden this season? Um, I'll say this: I know he was able to get the recruits that he was able to get. I I know it hasn't been the easiest of gel periods for them. I know I know he's used the word toughness a lot with them in his post game talks, as far as like, are they like tough enough? And and I and I feel like to this point. Almost the end of January. I mean, in a way, I kind of feel like they're not freshmen anymore. Don't you think? Yeah, I agree. By now, you know, you've played more than half the season, and and uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I just watch them, and there's just something wrong. Yeah, there's just something something whatever it is, whether it's coaching or I, I the offense. They just they they just struggle. Yeah, bottom of the end of the shot clock, throwing up threes, and you know. Supposed to be playing fast. I mean, yeah. he wants to play with, fast. With Tippo but... and, and that three-man weave cut and everything. I, I've had friends who are like, I don't like the three-man weave cut. I, like, I think it's cool. I mean, I mean, when it works, it's good. It seems to me you should have people cutting to the basket when you do that. Right. And I don't, you know, I just don't see. Right, right. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a basketball coach, but I've watched a lot of basketball over the years, good and bad teams, and I just, I don't know. I just... Uh, I, I'm I'm pessimistic. I, I think you know, in my mind, the season's you know it's, it's get very close to being done. What are they two and yeah, two I and think five? They, I think they're like one and five. Yeah, one, one and five, six. and you know, I don't know. Still got to play Auburn again, right? Yeah, yeah. A and M on Saturday at home. That's probably a winnable game. That, that's winnable. That's Ole winnable. Miss was winnable too, right? Yeah, and, and, and Missouri was winnable, or so we thought. But yeah, I think I think Georgia's gonna have to just find that secondary consistent score to go along with Edwards because this is just my opinion. I feel like other than Edwards, we don't really have like that secondary go-to guy. And with a with a star like that, you he needs help. It can't just be him. Look at the NBA tandems. You know, we talked about Shaq and Kobe, Jordan Pippen. Pippen. You know, I mean, you gotta exactly. have like the Hawks have a nice one-two punch yeah. with Collins and Young, like. Sure like, do. Like, and I I've talked about this ad nauseum with both of you. I feel like if Claxton comes back, yeah. things are different. Things are way different. And he's basically he's on the roster, but I every now and then I check and he hasn't played any meaningful yeah. minutes at yeah, he's all. He's just sitting there. You just uh, wonder. Anytime he's in, it's just okay, it's garbage time. Garbage time. Pass the ball back. Right. And, yeah. He he doesn't really get to look for a shot. Yeah, and, you can tell he's being held back. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like these kids that are that are going from their like sophomore year or even when they leave just after one year, I feel like they get bad advice from these agents. 
It's interesting reading some of the things Saban said, and Saban kind of went off. I don't know if you saw that press conference. He kind of went off on the media. He says, you know, these kids read about what you say or what the talking heads on TV say, so-and-so is going to be drafted. Here. He says, but none of you draft people. He says, I listen to the people in the front offices, my friends, and he said, very often, most of the time, the advice they get is different than the what they're reading about, you know, so-and-so is going to go third. And I think the same thing is in basketball. You know, there's yeah. only, you know, what, 15 lottery picks? Yeah. 13 lottery picks. And there's only 60 total players that get drafted. Right. You know, so, I mean, you better be awfully, you know, you better be awfully good to Could- think... And and what did Claxton go? 30, I think 30 he went like thirty. And, I think, and oh, he's not even oh, he playing. Was the, he was the first pick of the second. That's round. right. Yeah, that's right. He was, and he's not. You know, he's, he's so not, he was the thirtieth, you know, like player picked, and he's not. You know, he's, he's not, not playing. Really playing. I'm not sure how the salary structure. I know in football, it's very yeah different between the first five, top five and bottom five in the first round. The money is. Incredibly different. Yeah, I don't know in basketball how the scale how it scales out in the lot, but if you're a lottery pick, I think you go. You're, yeah, and after that, you know, it's not as. I, you got to think if he'd have come back, played another year, he, he, he certainly would have gone. He would have got better than, than what he did. Yeah, absolutely. And playing with a guy like Edwards would have right. really would have made them both look so look much better. Phenomenal. That would have been great. Um, but as far as like Georgia going forward, I think. You know, like you said, it it's just really been up and down. It just looks like we we missed that, like, you know, secondary score to step up. And and the guy that should do it by now is Rayshon Hammonds. But he's just so up and down. He didn't, and I'll tell he you, didn't score the other, right? He didn't score until like four right. minutes left in the game right. against Missouri, right. which and is I'll just tell you, amazing. Another thing about him that drives me nuts, his inability to inbound the ball sometimes. Yeah. That but drives me nuts. Does, does that drive you nuts? Whenever they're under the basket, they yeah. can't ever seem to get the ball inbound. Can, can we let someone else inbound the ball? Just yeah, like, I thought, you know, because every, you know, Fox said it and, and Crean said it, you know, the guy probably will end up playing in the NBA. I mean, he should be. He know, should be. He should be I, one of those guys, you know, 10 to 15 every night with right. 10 rebounds. Right, right, right. Rebounds. He should be. He should be. I had I had a friend of mine uh, who was at the Ole Miss game with me last week, and he's a former high school basketball coach, and he was talking to me about Rayshon Hammond, and he was saying he thinks he's built for playing overseas in Europe. Like, he, he's got that kind of build to him, which he might be right. Yeah, he's probably not the most athletic guy. You know, he's not a, a super, super athletic guy, but he's, what, he's 6'9". Yeah. And a nice touch. He shoots it. Yeah. You know, he shoots probably could be our best three point shooter. He could be. And uh, but yeah, it's, you know he ought to be the guy that you know he should be. Pretty reliably at his size that, and you know, like his experience level. I mean, he's been in college yeah, for three years. Third year. Yeah, you're right. But I'll tell you, as far as the young ones who I love, I love Christian Brown. I think he's going to yeah. be a stud. I love Xavier Wheeler. I love Kamara. And I know Edwards is leaving next year. And so and so like. The core next year, I feel really good about. I feel really good about Wheeler. I feel really good yeah. about Kamara. I, I'm telling you, I think Christian Brown's going to be a star. He's, yeah. Like, he's 6'6". Like, he can do so many things. But I look at it the other way. I look at this team without Edwards. It's yeah. like, oh, boy. Yeah. But you're right. I think they have. They've I think they were both four stars, right? Yeah, Wheeler and Kamara. Yeah. And, and, and Brown was a – yeah, he might have been a four star too, yeah, right? Yeah, I think uh, – I think South Carolina, Clemson really wanted Brown because he's from South Carolina. Yeah, well, Sorry. let's hope. Yeah. 
There's got to be something going right for Coach Green. For sure. And, Bill, um, you're an Alabama grad. I am. What do you think about the uh, first-year head coach, Nate Oates, in the Tide? Well, I've, I've watched probably – no, I've probably watched eight or nine, maybe ten games. And, and uh, I mean, I think from what I've heard, he's a great guy. And, you know, for what he did, you know, at Buffalo, which is not exactly the center of the basketball universe, to go to, you know, to go to four straight NCAA tournaments there and, and – uh, I think the style of play is interesting. I said I think it's sort of the way it's going to be now. When you look at the NBA, I was watching the NBA last night. I think three games at halftime, the leading team had 70 points at halftime. It, it's crazy. So I think his style, I think it'll be easy to recruit. Guys want to, you know, kids want to play that speed. Yeah. I saw an interesting statistic where they've only taken – uh, I think it was 12% of their shots between 5 and 15 feet from the basket. Wow. They're shooting all threes and layups, which is great, unless last night against them. LSU they shoot 26% from three and kind of got they got blown out. I mean, it wasn't even as close as the it is an ended. But when they're good, you know, the Auburn game, you know, when they're hitting shots and, you know, they don't have a big guy. You know, they don't really have a, I think, 6'8", that is their biggest guy. So, and he's a three-point shooter, that Reese. So similar to Georgia. Right yeah. Now. But they I think they're averaging the, the, the second fastest as far as, you know, how much time they're taking off the shot clock yeah. of anybody in the of anybody in the country. So I mean I think it's and you know he's got I think is I think he'll recruit well. I think he did a great job recruiting, convincing the guys that he did to stay. Mm-hmm. I think they lost the one guy that went to Clemson at pointed thirty one the other night. Tevin Mack, wow, and then they, the other guy went to Central Florida. But I think I think he'll I think he'll do well. I I, I and I hear he's a real good guy, you know, likable guy, and and uh, so I'm optimistic. That's good. There. All right, so I've got a um, little uh, I don't know what you call it, but um, little fun question here. Um, so if you're planning an SEC basketball road trip. Give me your top five arenas you'd want to visit. Uh, for me, I, I, I think going to Vanderbilt would be interesting. I think seeing, seeing a game from that level would be cool. See, seeing the benches on the basket would be cool. Uh, I think I think Georgia Florida. I think Georgia Florida down in Gainesville would be fun. I mean, because because I mean, if Georgia Florida football's this crazy, I think Georgia Florida basketball is crazy. Well, it's crazy in Athens, and I'd be curious to see what it's like. Uh, in uh, in Gainesville, um, so that's so there's two. I got three left. Um, I've never been to Tennessee. I've heard Thompson Bowling's really nice. My parents have been, and they they've both been really impressed with Thompson Bowling. Um, I think I think going over there would be cool. I think uh, I've I've done Auburn, but uh, but as far as places I haven't been, okay. So that's <laughs> sounds like you're just trying to blow over Auburn. Yeah, it's okay. I, I kind of got that too. <laughs> it's okay. Um, uh, I think my, I guess I guess my last place I'd like to visit. I mean, I think Rupp Arena would be pretty cool, don't you think, Bill? Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably go uh, Kentucky, and I, I'm like you with Vandy. One of the fun things watching Vandy, you know, like they mentioned in the Alabama game, they're like Oates is trying to figure out how to coach there. Yeah, because you know, your bench is on the end of the floor, and he's up. You know, and it's like, where is everybody? Is yeah. they say it's kind of unique trying to, trying, trying to, trying to, you know, how you coach there, how you how you get communicate with your team. 
So I'd have to say Rupp, Vandy. You know, I love Tuscaloosa, so I'm going to throw throw Tuscaloosa in there. And I agree with you. I've never been to Tennessee. I would say Tennessee and and Auburn. I've been to a, a, a couple of women's games at Auburn, and Auburn, when they're good, I mean, that's a great atmosphere. Yeah, it that's is. That's a great atmosphere, and they're obviously really, really good. <clears throat> I, so I would put that one there. I'll give you that. You know, if he, he <laughs> well, just went over at RG3, but I'm going to give you Auburn. Well, my, well one I, thing I like about Auburn is they, they uh, closed off the floor section on one side uh, for the student section. And so uh, they, they usually have a good amount of energy there, um, especially now. Um, you know, a few years after students have been there for a while and gotten used to the arena. Well, I got a story. All right, so back when, so back oh, when yeah. he was in college, <laughs> I I come down for to Auburn basketball. I think this is what my second trip down. Um, I, think, I, think it, I think it was yeah, my second trip. Right. My second trip, I come down. So Georgia at that time, Bill had like Charles Mann, Kenny Gaines, JJ Frazier's a freshman. You know, I mean, so this was pre-Pearl. I mean, yeah, I mean, y'all take Nate. I think this was the Barbie, Tony Barbie, Barbie, Tony oh, Barbie okay. era. Yeah. All right, so we get down there really early, and we we get in there, and so we set up. We're we're basically at the front row, like right, like right, like right as you enter the student section, we're right there. And where our vantage point is, we're right by like the Georgia radio guys. Like that's where we were. <laughs> and so the Georgia guys are like warming up the basketball guys. And there's nobody, no, nobody in, uh, in in the arena because I mean at this point Auburn's really bad. And so like, and so like JJ Frazier and Kenny Gaines come out, and I'm like. Kenny, JJ, and I'm like screaming at him, and I'm like waving real big, and I'm like, you see the G, and they're and they're both like, yeah, and they're like, we got a fan here, we got a fan, and little do I know, but later on, I get numerous texts from friends that are like, hey Joe, you and your buddies are on, what were we on, ESPN or something? Were you sitting yeah. with them? I was, and so Just yeah, try, I, try to hide. I, yeah, at this point, I, I highly regret it. He's the loudest person in the Auburn student section. It was awesome uh, getting the ESPN's attention. And, it was great. Uh, Oh, it's funny. And ESPN's like, there is actually a lone Georgia fan who is brave enough to be in the student <laughs> section right fun. now. That's fun. That's funny. It was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's what? The, 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 those weren't how many? How many years did he? Was he there three years? Um, let's see. So he was there when the so one two. I want to say he was there like three or four years. Yeah, because Pearl came in. So what is Pearl's got to be in his fifth, fifth year, year? Now, right? Is it a fifth year? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, fifth you're year. right. Time's Barbie's at by. Kentucky, right? He's, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. he, he's yep. his lead assistant. So, um, so yeah, it's been about five years. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So That's a good story. So I, will, I can picture it. I don't have any trouble picturing it either. So I will. Noah al- Joe. I will always yeah. look at uh, look at Auburn uh, with some. Some happy memories. Yeah, at least from a basketball perspective. That was a big Fo- mistake. So football, it's a little <laughs> different, but we'll save those stories for another day. Oh, man. So what's your take on the UGA women's basketball team? Well, they're uh, they're struggling a little bit. You yeah. know, they have... You look at their how they've recruited, and, you know, these five-star, four-star, but they don't seem to... I was at the South Carolina game the other day, and you look at that game, and it's they are miles behind. Mm-hmm. Now, you granted, South Carolina is the number one team in the I country. was there, yeah. You were? Mm-hmm. I mean, boy, you could see the talent differential oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, it was 
think Georgia went up two nothing, and then it was twenty to two. And I think they yeah. scored like ten straight times down the floor. Mm-hmm. But I love Joni. You know she's, and I know you know knowing Andy Landers the way I do, he loves Joni, and uh, you know she worked for him uh, one, before one she thing got that the seemed job. off for me with with Joni is she didn't seem to have a lot of energy. She's with the not fire. Not very interactive. She's not. She's she's. Kind of got the opposite. If you remember, Andy, Andy was, you know, he'd get in their face. He was, and she's just not that way. And you wonder if maybe that's, you know, part of it is she just not, doesn't, you know, doesn't get into them a little bit enough. Um, although I've been to a couple of their practices, and she'll get on them pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, her, her assistant, that Chelsea Newton, was a heck of a player at Rutgers. You know, she was like a just an absolute sort of a Kobe Bryant type, if you will, at Rutgers. Okay. Uh, and they won a national and She's great at, you know, watching her in practice. She's all over them. But I think, you know, I think you look at the talent, you know, they've probably underachieved a little bit. But if you look at, you compare them to South Carolina, you know, again, yeah. number one, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a big, big, big gap as far as talent and goes. Ball between, control. Oh. And, I mean, they have some height, but right. you know, they don't seem to utilize that height. That, as the, much. You know, that the the Stady, their tallest player, is probably their best outside shooter, and you can just tell watching the game. She doesn't like contact. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't like to get hit. You know, you need, you know, you need, you know, get big nasty in there. That yeah. you know that that uh, you know that. Likes the content. You just tell she doesn't. I think that Nicholson, that freshman, I think she's got some potential. She looks, mm-hmm. you know, like she likes to bang a little bit. But, um, I mean, they really got pushed around. And they're small. You know, they're guards. You know, that Gabby Connolly's five, listed at 5'8". I'll bet she's 5'6", 5'5". Five, five, and, and Q Morrison, who was a five-star and really looked great as a freshman, then hurt her knee in the beginning of her second year. And I'll, you know... Now she's in her third year. Hurt it. She got hurt again, and she's just never come back to sort. Of, I think the player that she was she was as a freshman and looked like what she was gonna be. So I think it's I think it's it's looking like it could be a lean year in in April in uh, Athens for the men's and the women's basketball. But uh, I still go to all the games and and uh, and root them hard. So. Well, that's what I was going to say. I guess you could argue that both the Georgia men and the Georgia women are similar in that fact, that, that they're both pride themselves on on good guard play, but both lack, like, that killer, like, inside who, who's going who's gonna to help your guards out. Yeah, and that's true. And I think, you know, they, they this girl from last year's team, that Taja Cole, if you remember, the little guard, she wasn't – she was – a little taller than Gabby, but trans. She was a graduate transfer. She went to Georgia Tech. Uh, sorry, not Georgia Tech. Virginia Tech, where she's from. And I think they kind of split. Her and Connolly kind of split the ball handling last year. And she was a lockdown defender. I mean, she was quick. She was. Now Connolly basically has all the, you know, all the ball handling responsibilities, and her turnovers are way up. And I think they miss her. And I think that soccer player girl could be good if she, you know, focuses on basketball. Chloe Chapman, you know, mm-hmm. she's going to kind of looks like going to be the backup point guard. You yeah. know, has some, she's a good athlete. Looks like she's a good defender and, and uh, you know, a good athlete. So, but I think they may be a year. I think she's got some good, a good class coming in from what I've read. So they may be a year away. I don't think this year is going to be, hmm. I think it's going to be a tough year this year, but. 
So is that one of the men's team, you think? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think they'll both probably, I mean, I think best case the women will go 500 in the league. Yeah. And I think the men will have have a trouble getting to 500 in the league. I mean, that yeah. would be. But, but, yeah, very similar. I think yeah. very similar seasons. No doubt. Hope I'm wrong. Yeah. But. <laughs> no doubt, man. No doubt. So, Bill, we've got one last little part of the show here. We're going to talk about. Another sport that you are very passionate about, and that is the game of golf, sir. All so, right. RG3, you want to get it going? Yeah, yeah. So, the Waste Management Phoenix Open is this weekend. Where, in your opinion, does this tournament rank among golf tournaments you watch during golf season? Well, I think from a spectator standpoint, I think it's probably, you know, it's up there. I mean, it's a very unique you know, thing they've created there with that, you know, I think they get 100,000 people in that 16th hole alone. You know, mm. they can, uh, I think some of the players kind of, you know, love it or hate it. But, uh, uh, I mean, they get a good field every year. So that tells you, you know, a little bit about sort of its importance and where it is in the schedule. But, yeah, I think it would be very, you know, you've seen some guys really sort of take the apple there on 16, you know, guys that are playing in front of people all the time, then all of a sudden, you know, they're relentless. I mean, if you don't hit it five feet from the hole on that hole, you know, you're getting booed. If you miss the green, God forbid, you get booed. So I think, you know, it's kind of interesting to see guys that are, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're not intimidated playing in front of people all of a sudden that at sort of that enclosed atmosphere. But I saw some film today where they were, a lot of them were wearing Kobe Bryant jerseys while they played mm. that hole. And, and uh, so I think it's neat. I think that, I think it's a good golf course. I've never played it, but I think that that's kind of a unique, you know, that's the kind of stuff that appeals to maybe the, you know, not the pure golf fan. They'll tune in and look, you know, that stadium atmosphere. So I think in that, you know, in that sense, I think it's a, it's a neat thing. Mm-hmm. As a former pro golfer, do you think you would enjoy playing uh, at the 16th hole? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I say that now. I think I might, you know, if I'm there, might be a little more tense than I am now. But, uh, you know, it's only a nine iron shot. It's only 160 yards, I think, that hole. So it's not exactly a long a long hole. It probably seems longer when you're standing there, you know, knowing if you don't hit the green, they're going to give you a booyah out of the... But, uh, yeah, I think it would be fun. I think it would be a fun, fun player hole to play. So, so my next question for you, Bill: uh, When you look at the landscape of golf for this year in 2020, who are some golfers, in your opinion, fans should keep their eyes on? Well, I tell you, the guy I I watched, he he got his he got his card without going through tour school, and basically, what what a lot of these good college players do when they turn pro, they'll get an agent, and the agent. They're allowed seven sponsors exemptions, and if they make enough money in those seven tournaments, if they make the equivalent of what the 125th spot made the year before, they get a PGA Tour card without having to go to to qualify, you know, to qualifying school, going through the Corn Ferry and all that. Which this kid that I'm going to mention, Victor Hovland, did, and uh, I watched him a little bit last fall, and I mean, I think he's going to be. He was a teammate with Matt Wolf. Now Matt Wolf's the guy with the funny swing that everybody talks about. Yeah. They were both they were teammates at Oklahoma State. Wolf actually won. He left after his freshman year at Oklahoma State. I think Hovland left after his junior year, so he's a little bit older. Uh, but both of those guys would be guys, you know, early twenties. That this other kid, Colin Morikawa, that's like a top ten machine. He's twenty two years old. I think he played at UCLA. 
And then this kid from Chile, there's Joaquin Neiman, who was leading, I forget what tournament it was, about three weeks ago through two rounds and, you know, just like a top 10 machine. And then, uh, you know, Brendan Todd, great comeback, you know, Georgia golfer, and, yeah. you know, down the road, lost his car, was about to give up the game, and then all of a sudden won two tournaments in a row back in the fall, which is actually the start of the, the way they do it now. The 20 season starts in, you know, November of, or October of of eight of 19. So he's up there in the top five on the money list, I believe. But uh, those would be guys, you know, it's funny. Not 10 years ago on the PGA Tour, there were more winners on tour 35 and over than there were anywhere in their 20s. And now you look at it 10 years ago. 10 years ago, a guy in his 40s was more apt to win a tournament than a guy 25 years old. And it's to- in 10 years, it's totally flipped. You know, you had that Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Kepka. Fowler, he's a little older than that, but that that bunch came out. Mm-hmm. Now you got these two guys: this Hovland, Matt Wolf, Morikawa, twenty-two years Shafale, this twenty-four years old. You got these guys coming out, and and now it's flipped. I mean, the guys, whatever the average age would be now, would be in the twenties, maybe mid twenties. And ten years ago, it was probably the average winner winning age on the tour is probably very close to thirty-five. So it's really. You know, it's really flipped. And I don't think there's ever been a time in golf where the difference between, say, the number one player in the world and the 100th best player in the world has been, you know, closer together. Anybody in that field every week can win. And it wasn't, you know, wasn't the case, you know, that long ago. So, which I think is good for the game. You know, I think it's good for the game. And, and uh, but those would be the guys. You, I, this Hovland guy especially, I'm just watching him, he's, you know, not the longest player in the world, but he uh, he's just so solid, so good. So I would look for him, and this probably Morikawa would be the two guys I'd I'd look at would make sort of an early splash this year. Okay. So Bill, my final question for you here. So Tiger is currently tied with Sam Snead, both with 82 career wins. Which upcoming tournament can you see Tiger winning to stand alone as the golfer with the most wins? Well, I would have if if we had if we'd have had this conversation last week, I probably would have said you know Tory Pines because he's won there eight times. Yeah, that's kind of like his own uh, course, right? And he, you know he's right in it right until you know until the very end. Uh, uh, maybe you look at you know Augusta. You know, he's won five times now, I guess. Uh, uh, the Memorial Jack Nicklaus's tournament. He's won. You know, he doesn't play. He won't play more than probably 16 events. So he's not one of these guys that's playing 25 to 30 events. But, uh, you know, it's the thing with Tiger is is he's probably he barely in the top half anymore, probably in driving distance. And it's become such a game now of, of guys hit at a mile. They're great wedge players, great pitchers, chippers, and putters. Because that's really all you have to be, you know, now. And Tiger, you would almost say that he's at a disadvantage other than the fact that Tiger is probably the best iron player that ever lived. And if you're not one of the longest hitters, say he's going to go into a par four with an eight iron where the longest hitters are going in with a wedge. He may be going in with seven iron, six iron. They're going in with nine irons and wedges, which would put most players at a big disadvantage. But Tiger, we call it small ball. Tiger is the best small ball golfer that ever lived. He won a British Open in 2006, playing 72 holes. He only hit one driver. So, but now, 
you know, other than the U.S. Open, you know, uh, and, and maybe the British Open, you know, courses have just gotten so long. I mean, the U.S. Open this year is at Wingfoot, which I worked at for six years. In fact, I was working there when we had the U.S. Open there in 2006. And at the time, it was 7,400 yards, which was a long golf course. That's like mid-length now. So, uh, but but having said that, Tiger, you know, Tiger, I, I would... I would guarantee you that very little of Tiger's success has had to do with how far he hit it. When he came on tour, he's one of the longest hitters. He's not anymore, but he's such a good iron player, such a good putter, such a good short game that I mean, I can I, I think he'll I think he'll win a lot more tournaments. I mean, I don't know how long he's going to play, or but I think you know I don't know if he'll catch Nicholas with the eighteen majors, but but I think Tiger's going to win. I think he's, and I think he's more fun now, you know, he's not as, you know, as uptight and I think he's a little more, shows a little more of his personality and, and, uh, but I would love to see it. I would love to see that 80, 83 being at Augusta. Yeah, that, that would be, that would definitely make for some great theater. It really, really would. would. It really would. would. Well, Bill, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, this was great, and we'll look forward to doing it again. Thanks for having me and uh, happy anniversary to you guys. Hopefully, yeah. Two more years and 75 more episodes and more. So, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, RG3, um, other than watching the Super Bowl, anything else you got going on? Ah, got to do some old changes on the car. Um, <laughs> yeah, just got to do some chores. I think I'm just going to binge watch uh, some, some basketball between Georgia and the Hawks. And then, oh, also, tonight... Uh, at nine o'clock, there is a thirty for thirty about Michael Vick. Oh, really? That ESPN's doing. So I think I'm recording that. I'm going to watch it tomorrow night. So yeah. that'll be fun. Those are good shows. Yeah, those thirty for thirties are great. So for Bill RG3, I'm Jam and Joe. This has been another exciting installment of the Fan for All Seasons podcast, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.